Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With LuckyLandSlots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mike and Liana, yeah, they're playing some games. And I pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R-H-A-P-B-M-B. Mike and Liana, yeah, they're playing some games. And I pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. Everybody and welcome to the RHAP B&B's coverage of Survivor 38, Edge of Extinction. My name is Mike Bloom, here for yet another visit, another session with the B&B. We are not going extinct anytime soon, hopefully, to uh, tackle this new season of Survivor with some fun games and shenanigans along the way. Let me bring in my two co-hosts to break down the preseason of this next season of Survivor. First, uh, my co-host of the B&B, the lovely Liana Boris, who puts the comma in Kama Sutra. Liana, how you doing? <laughs> Is, did I miss something in someone's video? Is that a reference? It's the name of a tribe. Oh, the comma tribe. Okay, well, I... Man, you... No. Okay. I was trying to call. I, I must add. No, never mind. Anyway, thank you. Wow. What a great introduction. I just feel like I'm really starting this season off on the right foot by completely bungling my intro. So just, I, just raise the flag right now, Liana. We might, wanna, <laughs> we might want to bail and start over here. Well, if it, man, man, you suck at this, Liana. Yes, there yeah. we go. Okay, oh, well, done. I was about to say, we also have our head writer here, Paul Austin, who puts the Manu in Manutana. Oh, oh, yeah, that was a bit of a stretch, Mike. But yeah, um, hello, hi, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to uh, uh, to be back with you, two wonderful hosts of the BNB. So we were actually talking about this right before we came on the air. Here comes Survivor 38, which brings not only 14 new contestants, four returning contestants, and a whole new twist, but just the entire tsunami of survivor coverage which i think i'll admit for all three of us snuck up on us a little bit uh, i don't know if it was the celebrity big brother stuff going on or all the beginning of the year things rushing in but uh i don't know i feel like survivor 38 sort of snuck up on us but i guess you know you, you gotta enjoy the surprise that comes out of it we were truly blindsided uh, by the fact that this starts next week. Yeah, I'm uh, just happy that the B&B had uh, four walls and a roof and a door still, thankfully, <laughs> because we didn't have a whole lot of time to get it put back together. But uh, yes, I am looking forward to the season, although it definitely did sneak up on me. And uh, this is going to this is going to be a fun one. I'm excited. 
So well, I feel like it used. I feel like it used to be that the summer off, like it used to be that the winter off season was worse than the summer off season in terms of like, like because you feel like it's going to be shorter than it than it is. But I think with you know for anyone out there who's a cross Big Brother and Survivor fan, this you know the Celebrity Big Brother stuff just really makes it so like it felt like we were we didn't take a break at all from Survivor. Yeah, not to mention RuPaul's Drag Race has been happening as well. The challenge just started up. So if you're a fan of reality TV in general, you've never gotten up from the table. You've been sitting just piling this buffet into your bodies for the past couple months or so during the holidays. And now I guess we're ready to just get on a rice-only diet as we talk about Survivor 38. We have a lot to get into, obviously, between the cast, the twists, and everything else under the sun. But I guess I want to start by just asking, Paul, what are your overall thoughts about Edge of Extinction as we are about to, as we are on the edge of the Edge of Extinction? What are your thoughts about it overall? weird um i when i think about this cast and just going through them and reflecting on them and i spent the last couple days in preparation for this podcast you know listening to what's out there with with first one out and reading stuff online and watching the et canada videos and i don't really know how i feel about this i feel like there's for the majority of the cast i feel like they're fairly just normal people. And in a lot of ways, the coverage we've gotten from them has been pretty low key. They like, there's not too many like wackos. Um, we still have, I feel like, you know, a handful of like the really, like the, the cliche people we're trying to fill in, whether that be like, we need another Tony, you know, or we need another, um, you know, Southern super fan that we, we, we kind of have a few of those, but for the most part, I was just kind of like, huh, I don't really know what to think because a lot of these people seem pretty normal. I think that's interesting because I I totally get what you're saying about no wackos. I think there are a few people like Wendy who is really uh very loud and uh very very much stands out, but I think that there's a lot of I don't want to say subtle wackos. I don't know if that's a, a <laughs> phrase I could use, but people like Ron Clark, Aurora, Rick, War Dog, I get a, that there's going to be a lot of fun characters. I think that they're just right. more subtle potentially than maybe what we're used I, to. And in comparison, I love that word. Well, in comparison to uh, Big Brother as well, you know, like that's what we have sort of as this immediate yeah. comparison. So, of course, we're never going to have, you know, those types of people. I would like to redact my uh, my one word answer I gave from weird and please change that to subtle. Yeah. I find this cast and this season subtle. Mm, I mean, I guess uh, can we like determine what subtle wacko is? Can we call that like quirky? Where does that lie on the spectrum of adjectives? <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to wait for a Mad Libs game before we can figure out subtle wacko, the definition of a subtle wacko. I think for me, it's it's someone who has a lot of um, what are strong personality traits, but they're not completely overwhelming. Just, you know, yeah. Ron Clark is the guy I keep going back to. I mean, although I guess he had a movie made about him. So, uh, you know, maybe he's the wrong example. But even someone um, someone like Reem, for example, yes. she stands yes. out to me as someone who got kicked out of a gym because yes. she <laughs> she wasn't eating Wait, carbs and yes. had yeah. part ways with her trainer. Like, what? Yes, that's that, Liana, that is the perfect example. That's who I was going to, I'm listening to it. I, I love her. Like she's such a great character and she's kind of chill. And then like the more you hear from her and the more, like by the time you get to all the stuff you can really absorb about her, you're like, okay, yeah, there's definitely something wacky here from you know, this woman who starts off being very calm and she's a mother and she watches Survivor with her kids to, yeah, a cut to the scene of her being kicked out of the gym because how she reacts that she only lost two pounds or something. So uh, subtle wacko, Reem. Can I just say that Lauren 
Reamer went, might be my favorite from the preseason. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, right. I forgot. I forgot about her. Well, she, well, she, I feel like there's a lot of comparisons, though, in terms of like, I don't want to get too much into the cast, you know, the nitty gritty of it all, because we're going to get into that later on. But very matter of fact, has the same haircut. You know, I think she's very direct with her approach. We'll see if she can replicate Lauren's success in the game. But I feel like Lauren was sort of regarded in the same way as Reem in terms of like, oh, boy, good luck to her. Miss Fish out of water. So uh, I'm not counting out Reem just yet. But yeah, her her talk with Arissa Cox specifically what you were saying specifically about her uh, her raging at her trainer, which got her kicked out of a gym, I think is going to bode extremely well for good TV. I, I just like this concept of, you know, having to pay the price for uh, a particular archetype, you know, paying that invoice. Like, Reem has to pay the invoice for the Lauren Rimmer character that did so well on uh, Heroes, Healers, Hustlers. So, Liana, do you have any overall thoughts aside from the uh, subtle wackos of it all when it comes to just this group of people? Yeah, I, you know, I think like most people, when I first heard about the Edge of Extinction twist, I was like, oh, no. And then, you know, Joe being sort of this um, scapegoat almost for how this twist could go wrong. Scapegoat. Yes, he is the scapegoat of the season. (laughs) Um, I think that... You know, there's obviously sort of this immediate negative reaction. But as I get closer, it's like, you know what? Who cares? If this is a disaster, it's going to be so much fun to make fun of. And who knows? Maybe it could work out. Maybe we could see some really fun psychological warfare out on the edge of extinction uh, or island of extinction, whatever it's called. Who knows? We'll figure it out. And um, I'm just going to go into the season being really optimistic for all of our subtle weirdos. I mean, this group actually made me pretty excited. I understand what you mean, Paul, with like, Listening to their interviews, there are some quirky things that some of them say, and, and they do sort of some of them really get their time in the sun to show off their full wackadoodness. But I do feel like across the board, this is a fairly mild mannered group of people, but they're also one of the biggest groups of super fans. I want to say since we've seen like Millennials versus Jet X, so in the past five seasons or so, which is super interesting given the fact that A, they're bringing in these former players. And B, they're completely throwing in, you know, a new twist. I think that's what they sort of expected with uh, Ghost Island, right? You you cast a good amount of super fans so that when they give you one of James's hidden immunity idols from Survivor China, they get that camera moment to relish it and say, oh, cool. I've been, you know, looking forward to holding this for quite some time. So I do wonder if that's the reason why they did it. But it is an interesting trend to note across the board. You have all these people saying, I've been watching since the beginning, since I was six, since I was... 17 you know i've applied countless numbers of times it doesn't really seem like we have that many recruits here and i don't know how well that bodes one way or the other in terms of actual good tv because i know that sometimes recruits and people who don't necessarily know the game and figure it out on the fly make for the most entertaining television and sometimes make for pretty damn good players as well but i think it's a noted trend that exists in this cast particularly that might separate it from the past few that came before it this is suspiciously similar to a, a concept that I was thinking Survivor should do. It's called fans versus favorites. Mm. Like you take like you take like favorite contestants and then you put them against people who know their games and really have been on board since the beginning. I think it could go really well. Mm, that's really innovative. I hadn't thought of that. It would be really cool to see a season structured like that. Um, Pity we've never seen that before. 
Uh, <laughs> but I think with this group of players, the fact that they all at least have watched the show, I think is really interesting because I think it could uh, make for a good season. Although I think that typically the best cast, in my opinion, are ones that are pretty diverse. And so you have a group of both recruits and super players because, you know, when you have a lot of super fans and people who know how to play the game, they still need some pawns. Um, but, you know, who knows? I, I really think the the varying degrees of quote unquote super fandom within this cast um, is pretty wide. So I think even though somebody's like, oh, I've been watching from day one, um, you know, that is a little different than someone who really studies the game and, and is super into it uh, from a analytical perspective. But both could be terrible players and both could be wonderful players. So I think that that um, it'd be interesting to see how that plays out, knowing everybody's sort of different levels of fandom. And of course, the big factor as well is as interesting of a cast as this may be, it depends on how much we're actually going to see of them because of this Edge of Extinction twist. You know, seasons that have had Redemption Island, which might be the closest comparison to this new twist, notoriously had some pretty unbalanced editing when it came to emphasizing a group of players while simultaneously, you know, shunting others to the, to the effort of like when you put them on Redemption Island, you have to dedicate a course of a segment to them because there's a challenge going on each and every episode, but otherwise you're not really developing many characters there outside of someone like Matt Elrod, whose entire story is based within Extinction Island. So that's going to be interesting as well. I do wonder how many of these personalities, quite honestly, are going to be revealed when so much of the story is going to revolve around this new concept in the game. Hmm. Well, I think I think the one advantage that the that the season has is that we only have 14 new players here, um, you know, so there's I think that gives more opportunity. This isn't a 20 person cast. So I think having a couple extra people definitely gives us a chance um, to really get to know some of these new players. I hope so anyway. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think also maybe that's why uh, we don't have some really strong characters so far because uh, the casting were uh, the editors are thinking like, God, man, this is going to be so crazy to edit together. Please give us some duds that we can just throw in the corner. <laughs> so maybe that's what we're in for. Before we get into our usual segments to break down everything from the preseason, there is the matter of our always tried and true preseason predictions. This is going to be different for a, a myriad of reasons. Uh, and to be completely candid, Leon and I have been talking about it a bit. We still haven't decided how we want to structure these this season. Leona, can you talk a bit about the difficulties, the further difficulties, uh, you know, than the times that we usually do it that might come with doing predictions this season? Right. So typically the way that these sealed predictions work is we write up a bio for every or a, a description of how every single person is going to do on the season. And then when that person is voted out, we read that uh, prediction about that person. Here's the kicker with this twist. People get voted out, but they don't ever go home. And unlike Redemption Island, we don't have this. Well, OK, at least if they're going to Redemption Island, we're going to have one or two people sort of go every week, every other week. We have no idea. We could have 18 people the whole time. What are we supposed to do with our predictions? Because do we read them when they get voted out initially? But then what if they come back from the edge of extinction? Then do we have to have written a second one? And I tried to write an AI that would handle the complexity of the situation. And I am not that smart. So uh, essentially, I have no idea how we're going to do this. This, is kept, this has kept me up at night, too, so I hope you guys figure this out. <laughs> so what you're saying is Edge of Extinction broke 
the AI. I think we finally found a way to break into the singularity and prevent Skynet from taking over. It's a survivor twist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I don't know how exactly we're going to do this. I mean, the thing is, is we could do well, you know, when they yeah, when they get voted out initially. So I guess what we're trying to say here is help us. <laughs> Because SOS, S- please. Yes, we're lighting a big old bonfire for SOS on the island of extinction because we don't know what on earth we're going to do. Obviously, we'll figure something out, but any suggestions would be absolutely helpful because it broke us. So, yeah, I mean, I guess maybe between the three of us, we can throw out some ideas as well. And if people online want to respond to us using the hashtag RHAPBNB to let us know what they think of our ideas, or if they have suggestions uh, for what to do on their own. We have a little bit of time to break this down, obviously, before the premiere comes, but we need an idea, and we need it pretty quickly. Uh, so I guess, you know, one thing that I can throw out here, just quick and dirty, is we can we can just make a singular winner pick. Don't write who might be coming back or anything, and we just write down three things we think this person will do in the game, and they can be as descriptive or as generic as we want them to be. That That's the super, like, 101 way of doing these predictions i think that'll have a sort of sidestepping the whole edge of extinction debacle my thought that i had was i just want to do my i'm gonna go back to basics write out a fan fiction of what i think is happening including let's say rick devins gets voted out and then i write that he gets voted out pre-merge i write that he wins the edge of extinction twist thingy to come back and then i have a second prediction for him when he gets voted out again but then I don't know what we would do for actually reading those predictions. But I was just going to fan fiction the whole thing out and then try to force fit it in the season. What was that weird ass alliance you had in Heroes? The oh, H-A-Triple-H? The Ghost of Patrick's Alliance. Yes, it was oh, yes. the Patrick Alliance and then the Ghost of Patrick's Alliance, because obviously that's how it was going to work. Definitely incorporate that. That's my suggestion. That's my tip. And then, Mike, you should also be as specific as possible with any prediction you do. Like, just really make it so you can't win. Yeah, great. That's I don't really need any effort, apparently. I I tried my best to win the past three seasons. I even got defeated by the AI. I was not the Edge of Extinction twist. I got promptly, my ass got served to me last time during David versus Goliath. Uh, But I guess if I want to even the playing field, this was suggested to me on uh, social media. I can't remember who said it, but uh, you know what? I have uh, I've become rather fond of the Brant Steel as of late. I don't know if the Survivor 38 cast members are in there, and I don't believe the Edge of Extinction format has been built into Brant Steel, but maybe I can uh, throw the castaways into, like, a Redemption Island season. I'll, uh, I'll simulate it, and I'll write down what happens, and we'll see how much it matches up. Yeah, okay. That's totally weird. I don't even know how that... But see, then do you... <laughs> Do you write the prediction when they lose the Redemption Island duel? I guess so. Okay. Uh, or maybe, <laughs> I'll try to retrofit it. Again, we're we're taking a bunch of square pegs and we're fitting them into various round holes, just trying to plug this slowly sinking ship. Uh, so we're throwing a few ideas out there. I don't know, Paul, do you have any other bright ideas? I think as long as you're subtle with what you do, you'll be okay. Oh, well, we're, we're in trouble then. Yeah, this is <laughs> yeah. too wacky. The B&B is so subtle, right? <laughs> right. I think here's what we should do. We should aim to have a prediction for every single vote off. Yes. Okay. Okay. So I don't know how that'll work. All right. Okay. Maybe that's what we do. Mike, you just do your thing. I'll just do my thing. And yeah, then we'll you, just guys, you know, let's let's just let's make the segment double as long, twice as complicated. You each pick your own system. That's what we want. 
There we go. So then it'll be a battle of not only each other, but also the systems. Which one will reign supreme? Right. Yes, everyone loves complicated, confusing, and confounding systems. I think that this is going to be a winner for sure. Like, we've already spent a lot of time discussing how on how, like, how in the hell this is going to work. Um, so clearly, ambiguity. Everybody loves it. Well, all right, we'll put a pin in that for right now. Again, send us your thoughts about any of these weird things we threw out in the think tank if you want to drain it if you want to add more fuel in there let us know but let's move away from the uh the hypothetical into the realistic by talking about this season we have brought back as per usual our three questions three discussion questions about in this case the preseason of survivor edge of extinction paul as the guest of honor Let's start with you. Uh, what did you bring to the table to discuss about Survivor 38? Well, I brought this kind of a discussion point with a little bit of a tiny game with it because this is the B&B. So, um, Liana, you talked uh, quite a bit about Ron uh, Clark in the beginning of the show. And I have kind of this weird, like, it's, it's very distant, but weird connection to Ron Clark because uh, the mm. school district I work in in the past, like, three years sends teachers to the Ron Clark Academy. <sighs> And so I've known this name for, for like, for like three years when I joined this district now. And so like, I've, and I, I switched from when I first moved to this district, I was teaching in the elementary school. I've now moved to the high school. It's much more of a elementary school thing. So I was actually slated. I was going to be the next group to go to the Ron Clark Academy, but then I moved uh, up to high school. So I didn't get to go. Um, but I have tons of colleagues who've gone, who have interacted with him. And I've just heard stories about this whole experience and there's so much about the Ron Clark Academy that is present in in my school district. So it's like, it's really weird. All the stuff he's talking, like I know all the stuff about him already. So I want to first kind of talk about your impressions of him and I'll share mine as well. And then uh, I have a little bit of a game that goes with it afterwards. So um, I'm just curious what you guys think about Ron Clark, because he's an well, interesting for, fellow. First, uh, I did a bit of a chuckle because I thought at first you said the wrong Clark Academy. <laughs> and that made me think of like, some sort of, I don't know, evil twin brother of Ron Clark called Wrong Clark? <laughs> I don't know. He's he's the opposite of everything Ron Clark wants to be. Maybe Wrong Clark is how Ron will play Survivor. Well, when you I, get expelled from Ron Clark Academy, you go to the Wrong Clark Academy. I think that's the sequel, right, to the Ron Clark story. It's the Ron Clark star story, part two, colon, the Wrong Clark story. <laughs> So does that mean what it's it's the exact opposite it's a complete false story about him yeah i don't know i don't know what that means um but uh what do they get matthew perry to reprise his role and then who would be cast who would be cast as wrong clark oh it's, you have to who's the exact opposite of matthew perry <laughs> i don't know who's the exact opposite of matthew perry uh, someone who's very serious uh sincere not sarcastic whatsoever Hmm. Uh, I will say Sam Elliott. <laughs> sure. Okay, great. I'm excited for the recast version. This is not where I expected so- this discussion to go, but keep on. <laughs> keep yes, of course, I brought this probably off the rails in what the first 20 minutes of the B&B. Shocker. Uh, well, you could do a friends thing, right? You could like, I don't know. What about like Matt LeBlanc? He's not evil enough. He's the, no, okay. You need Matthew Perry to play the wrong Perry. No, the wrong. <laughs> The wrong, wrong Clark. Nope. Oh my gosh. This is Matt, Mike. This is all your fault. You started this with a Kama Sutra joke at the beginning of this this episode, and now I'm. Just, and now we've gotten all twisted, and we can't get our way out of this position. Exactly. This is too complicated for me. I have to just stick to the basics. Ah, oh, missionary is where I belong. 
<laughs> so uh, on the question about not Ron Clark or Matthew Perry or Sam Elliott, but Ron Clark, I mean, this is super interesting because this is the first person I can remember in quite some time who has had such a notoriety outside of the show that as much as Ron wants to say, the game's the game, my kids will relish the opportunity that I'm, you know, I'm playing by the rules and deceiving people. How he's performing is going to, I think, genuinely reflect how he's perceived in the outside world. If I may garner a comparison, I feel like not since the days of Jimmy Johnson on Survivor Nicaragua have we had somebody who has had such an amassing for such motivational reasons that to have them be on the show could, I wouldn't say it would be detrimental, but it might change the way they're being perceived, no matter what, since he's regarded in such a positive light. I know that he says, again, he's going to try to treat this as an isolated incident, but I, I don't know. I'll believe it when I see it personally. Yeah, I guess that's the thing, though, is that, you know, he was sort of constantly saying, but it doesn't matter. He was OK. He with being labeled as a villain. I mean, he was worried that that was going to happen, but he said that it's going to be OK. Um, and so it seemed like he was somebody who was ready to just go out and be his aggressive self. And it didn't seem like he had a big concern over his uh, his image outside of the show. So I don't know. Maybe when he gets out there, he'll start to feel differently as soon as he starts to realize, oh, there's all these cameras here. You know, I really need to sort of maintain my image. But just based on his interviews, it really didn't seem like that was front of mind. Yeah, no, it's interesting with him. And like, so uh, some of the like things, kind of the the main things that, that, that teachers take away when they go to this academy, like he's very big on uh, students and teachers jumping up on tables, like during instruction. So I'm like, hey, is this going to play a, is this going to play a role in, in, you know, how he interacts with the furniture at tribal council, perhaps? Um, mm, I mean, we, we did have uh, the great... Game changer Jennifer Lanzetti did stand oh, up true. on her stool during Survivor Co. Wrong. Can uh -huh. we see, I don't know, him straddle two stools uh -huh. as he starts bellowing into the audience like, you can't vote me out tonight? Perhaps. Um, he encourages teachers to build a stage in their room so that they, so that teachers and students jump up on the stage so that they're heard uh, when they speak. Um, he also creates this whole system of uh, it, it model, it's modeled after the Harry Potter house system where students are randomly sorted into different houses and that there's this team element of that you are, you know, for good things you do, that you win points that accumulate uh, for your team or your house. Um, so um, I'm wondering if that's going to play a role here. It's kind of like we have two houses competing against each other on Survivor. Yeah, well, will, will he assign points to his <laughs> tribe and to the other tribe? Yeah, yeah. so wait, so he's going to run his tribe like a mix between Harry Potter and Dead Poet Society? Like, is <laughs> yes, that what yeah. we're heading for? Dead Poet Society combined with like parkour it seems considering that he's not just standing up on the table apparently he likes to jump up on the yes, table it's about the whole the whole process so um to kind of continue this the little activity i brought with us is he he talks about this in some of his pregame stuff that he wrote this book and i've read selections of the book because a lot of teachers in the district have it uh and it's about ron clark's essential 55 so he describes this as like 55 rules like in school for students to help really help them succeed so i thought I want you each to pick a number between one and 55. We'll do this just a couple times, or if it's a total bust, we'll just do it once. Um, and pick a number between one and 55. I'm going to tell you what that rule is, and we're, I want you to see how can that translate to Survivor this season, and maybe more specifically, how that's going to translate to Ron Clark's game. So, Mike, mm -hmm. do you want to pick a number? 
Absolutely. I love that we're trying to already turn Ron Clark's book into the Boston Rob rule book and see if it can be retrofitted into the Survivor game. Uh, give me number... You know what? Let's hope Ron Clark makes it 39 days. Give me number 39. All right. 39. Okay, this is very specific. But on a field trip, compliment the place you are visiting. Okay. No, this, this is actually pretty It's pretty applicable because this is a field many, trip. Rewards, many rewards yeah. in the post-merge are about making visits to, you know, visit various cultural centers, whether it's him dropping off toys for kids or, you know, attending a nice, uh, nice Fijian feast. So Ron will go there and he'll consistently compliment everyone who's there, even when he overstuffs himself. Or, you know, uh, if the kids are smoking cigarettes a bit too far, a bit too close to him, uh, he's, he's going to make sure to be complimentary of the place that he's staying because that's what good teachers do. Oh, my gosh. I was thinking we could put together the team of Ron Clark, Woo, who else would be the ambassadors to go to the school to drop off the things for the kids in whatever Fiji, like whatever location we're in? Nayanka. Um, Nayanka. And Nayanka, of course. Yes. Yeah, she is a gym teacher, so I think she has experience. Makes sense. <laughs> All right, Liana, you got a number for me between one and 55? Six. Okay, rule number six. If you are asked a question in conversation, ask a question in return. Oh, tribal! Oh, that is totally tribal council with Jeff Probst. Can you imagine? So, Ron, there was a lot of discussion on your tribe today. It seemed to create a lot of tension. Well, Jeff, that's a great question. Now, what would you think about all of the tension that was being created? Like, nope, Jeff's going to have none of that. Jeff is not about like essential cre- rule number six. Yeah, I feel like it just creates like a black hole where they just keep asking questions back and forth at each other until the, the space-time continuum eventually collapses in on itself. <laughs> good. I like Survivor that had a good run. That's what the edge of extinction means. Got oh, it. good. All right, Mike, you got another one? Yeah, uh, give me number 17. Number 17. Subject transitions will be... Oh, sorry. Subject, like like a subject in school. Subject transitions will be swift, quiet, and orderly. Okay, I guess maybe if he's talking about uh, changing alliances, because, you know, there are different mm. uh, different subjects, uh, different conglomerates of things to study. And so when you're flipping to an alliance or you're creating a new trust cluster or voting block, you need to make sure that it is quiet, that nobody knows about it. It is orderly. So everyone knows what page that are on and they know it's specific. So they know exactly who they're voting for. Nice. Liana? Uh, uh, nine. Uh, rule number nine, always say thank you when given something. Thank you for bringing this game thing for us to do. Paul, well, you'd be great on you. the island. Let's finish off with one more each. Mike, what do you got? Uh, I'll do number, how old is he, 46? I'll go with 46. All right, rule 46. No, uh-oh, this would not be good. And I'm thinking of some past uh, rewards here. No talking in a movie theater during a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Jack and Jill is an Sorry. honor. No <laughs> talking. It's a great movie. Do not disrespect. I feel like this is that um, Reams like thing about how she was kept talking about how no one can. Th- she kicks her kids out of the living room if they're like uh, talking during Survivor. Yeah, exactly. So maybe uh, Reem and Ron could be like the, uh, the, the the chaperones at the movie night that happened <laughs> on Survivor. Or maybe this is talking about, you know, Tribal Council has been referred to before as theater. It could be also referred to as a movie that you're also taking part in. So maybe he could like be shushing people that are whispering to each other. Yeah. Oh, he, he's a shusher. <laughs> um, all right, Liana, what's your last one? 
42. Number 42. When returning from a trip, shake the hands of every chaperone. Uh, <laughs> so is he going to go around and shake all the hands of the crew? Maybe. Is that allowed? <laughs> I, I feel like that's going to be frowned. That's a little bit breaking the fourth wall a little too much. So um, that one well, doesn't you apply. Know it could it could be with Jeff, maybe. You okay. know, like instead of the like shaka bro, uh, maybe you're gonna he's gonna try to get a handshake, and by the end, Jeff's like, no. Yeah, I just wish. Yeah, stop asking me questions. Stop asking for my handshake. I don't like you anymore, Ron. <laughs> I wish you would have picked a rule fifteen. Do not ask for a reward. Oh. <laughs> Want to know what you're playing for? No, Jeff, we do not. No, according to essential rule fifteen, I will not ask for this reward. May I shake your hand, though? <laughs> That's Aww. a reward enough for me. And it was a question, so oh, I there think you it go. Really Look at all those yeah. essentials. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Wait, Ooh, so are, makes... there, are there any other notable ones? Oh, there's some stuff about facing forward on a bus. So you know, maybe I'm thinking about like you don't want a, a medical emergency of like you know if, like last season as episode one. Really make sure you're facing forward. Uh, I like number twenty seven. That do not stare at a student that is being reprimanded. So um, you know, maybe someone's really getting it from Jeff. You know, just don't don't make eye contact. Look away. Don't look at them. <laughs> is this for wait, wait wait? Is this for other teachers? So if another teacher is reprimanding no. a kid, don't look at the kid. No, this is this is for like a student. Like Liana, you act oh. out in class, and the teacher has given it to you. I do not look at you. I look somewhere else. Like I'm, I, I don't draw attention to the fact that you're getting it. Yeah, been there, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm just I'm going to be interested to see how he does because I just I I've, I've known a lot of people who've gone to the academy and they've been in sessions with him because the way it works is there's certain days of the week that they open up the school to um, visitors and there's hundreds and thousands of teachers that come through and they watch model lessons and Ron and the, I think he has other people who works you know with him too and they, and they kind of have these workshops and I've heard stories of yeah I checked my Apple watch when I, when I was in the middle of his session and he stopped talking and looked at me and said I'm sorry do you need to be somewhere <gasps> like um, like I, I've just I've, I've just heard many that he's very a very intense person. So it'll be very interesting um, to see. I was expecting him to be more alpha and more kind of in like you know more high strung in his interview, but he seems to be. I mean, at least in his interviews, was pretty calm. But yeah, he didn't make some mention of 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 you know his family saying like you, you're going to come on too you know too strong too fast. So um, we'll be see to see what he does. Maybe the reason why he was so calm in his interviews was because nobody was looking at their watch while they were doing him. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Arissa, like, I don't think she was wearing a watch. I don't know if Josh <laughs> was. No one to scold. But don't look at them. Don't look at it, though. Don't, li don't look at them. Well, let, let's dive into talking about not only Ron, but his 17 compatriots on Survivor Edge of Extinction. Let's go to an, a tradition here on the B&B every season our Survivor Superlatives. So for those of you that might not remember this, uh, we've created a list of superlatives. For those of you that might not know what those are, uh, those are things like, uh, you know, things you might get in high school, like most likely to succeed, uh, best hair, etc. But we're applying them to Survivor. We're going to try to guess from a preseason perspective based solely on the materials we've been given who we think is most likely to fall into each superlative. And we'll see by the end of the season uh, how we did. I do have some ones from last season that we can reflect back on as well. Before we get into it, just want to issue a quick disclaimer. If anybody is out there, be you a player or a fan, and you listen to these and you take some umbrage with what we said about you, I do sincerely apologize. These are taken off of, you know, 
15 minute conversations with Josh and 10 minute conversations with Arissa Cox. So we're making some assumptions and I am more than happy to be wrong as I have been on many, many occasions here on the BNB. So let's start things off. Let's start with one that I think we've had every single time we've done this. And it's most likely to get a hashtag. I think we've done away with hashtags showing up on the screen uh, anymore, but I, I think this is more so our, like, uh, basically the camera hog award for most likely to, to really pop on screen. Uh, just to give some context as to what we said last season, Liana came right out of the gate with a really fantastic pick saying, Miss B. Nguyen would be most likely to get a hashtag. <laughs> okay, because it was hashtag B's knees or something. So, uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sting, sting like oh, a sting bee. Sting like a bee. Okay, uh, I tried sting. to give myself more credit than I deserve, but yes. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. But Paul, you said Mike White. Uh, and I said the mayor of Slamtown. We all swung and missed on the big old Christian ball that was coming our way. Let's see if we can hopefully redeem ourselves <sighs> on that success. Uh, all right, Paul, who do you think is most likely to get a hashtag out of this group? I mean, it sounds a little bit boring because we know the person already. We can pick returning players, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'll try to stay away from this on some of these because I think we want to talk about other ones. Like my my first instinct was like Wendy because she's wacky. But I think realistically, I think Aubrey knows how to talk, knows how to you know get the sound bite, knows how to make um, all these different comparisons and metaphors and whatnot. So I think Aubrey is, is going to rule the screen again this season. Mm. What other What other metaphors do you think she might pull out with this one? Hmm. Well, I mean, maybe if she's looking at the people around her, it'll be something like this is like I'm like standing on the table at, in the middle of school and I'm being reprimanded and no one wants to look at me like that. That's going to be her kind of trying to, you know, bring Ron in under her wing. We should just rewrite all of these superlatives to be what Ron Clark would have for superlatives. <laughs> Most likely to stand on table. Ron Clark. <laughs> yeah, Ron Clark. <laughs> Most likely to ask Ron. questions. Ron Clark. Um, okay, so for my most likely to get a hashtag, which is a stupid category, agreed we should rewrite it. Um, I said Chris Underwood because I very much mm. got, uh, although they share the same name, Chris Noble vibes, beneficiary type stuff uh, from him. So I could definitely see Chris. Yeah, Chris was honestly the surprise of the preseason for me. I mean, maybe it was me judging a book by its cover, but I just sort of looked at him like, okay. Sales guy from South Carolina seems relatively normal, but like I know he was Josh's last interview. He had a great interview with Arissa. He was just so energetic and so bombastic at the same time. He's the guy who's like, yeah, I'm going to play the perfect game. He essentially created like a chimera out of all these other parts of other people's games. And 
he was just talking a mile a minute while he was also talking up his own personality. I totally got the Chris Noble vibes. I agree, Leon, about him specifically talking up his good looks. Uh, so I think he he really surprised me uh, between, you know, what you look at from a bio perspective and what you actually yes. hear and see from him. Yeah, my notes I have here, Chris, most surprising contestant, like same reaction I had. Exactly. Yeah, because at first I was like, oh, he's like the J.P. Hill Sebek of the season. But then as he kept talking, I was like, what are you even talking about? Because he's like, yeah, I'm going to bring depth to the season. Like, what? What? Why are we going to bring depth? And then his quote about failure is the antithesis of playing the perfect game. <laughs> it's just something I want to cross stitch into a pillow because I was like, OK, buddy. <laughs> Yes. I also love, like, I don't think we've had any other person walk in and quote, not TOS, but memes from TEOS. Uh, Paul, we might be a couple seasons removed from people walking in and doing uh, memes from the Survivor Historians. Oh, uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. I can't wait for someone to be like, I, just, I don't want to be a gene. That's all I want. <laughs> oh, my God. That would be that would be a win for you guys, I think. But uh, Chris may not be the person to do that. But you never know if so many quote unquote super fans of these seasons. So I personally went with, I had Chris down as well, and I had Aubrey down too. I was thinking about Wacky Wendy, but I strayed away from her too. I went with Miss Aurora McCreary, because uh, I mm. think I'm super intrigued by Aurora. I'll admit there are certain Corinne-isms in her, specifically this element of like brutal honesty, but I feel like she does bring in some sentimentality to it. Uh, you know, I think she she also admits to being open and blunt and honest. And I feel like it's that, that ability to just, I don't know, really go in on somebody. I'm assuming she's going to do a lot of that in confessional. And that might provide the tubby lunchbox category in terms of just ragging on her fellow competitors in private. Of course, I actually had Aurora as well. Um, because I think that she's somebody who, yeah, said she's like totally fine with being the villain. Uh, and she said, I think in her bio that she liked or thought she was most like Sierra for her attitude and foot in mouth moments, which I thought was great. Um, among some other contestants, but she also said for one of her pet peeves was noise coming from the mouth. So like talking, <laughs> Or no. <laughs> you all better be silent while I'm here. I swear to God. Uh, yeah, between uh are wait, are are the is the Kama Sutra tribe and uh who is Rick uh Ron Clark? Is he on Kama Yeah, Ron's on Aurora's yes. tribe. She's on Kama Sutra. No talking and no eye contact, this is gonna be a great tribe. <laughs> She's like, I call this Aurora Central fifty six. No talking, no sound from no mouth. Sound from mouth. <laughs> Yeah, the the camera people. Maybe that's why they're going to spend so much time on edge on the extinction islands because the Kama tribe is just going to be a tribe of mute people just looking down as they gather firewood for three days straight, standing on the shelter. <laughs> right, I, I love Asking it. questions through sign language, maybe. All right. Well, let's let's move on here. Let's go to the flip side from the edit perspective. Most likely to get a purple edit uh, to remind us of what we put for DVG. Paul, you sparked the whole Natalia debate that took up a good chunk of our podcast last time by saying Natalia would get a purple edit. Uh, Liana, you said Kara, and I went with the combo of B and Jessica, and I will just pat myself on the back right there, and it is success. You I will not win. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll go first on this one, because it's interesting that you said J.P. Hilzebeck before, Liana. Eric yeah. seems like a totally nice yes. guy. But um, and he, but and he, he doesn't even have you know the same vocal ticks as our beloved JP. But I don't know if it's just like the 
very nice firefighter aspect of it all but but he was the first person i thought of yeah oh yeah yeah yeah. i for sure had him as the jp the brendan shapiro of the season he even when he said he was like i think orissa asked you what makes you unique well i'm a pretty normal guy i don't know ah okay so you're gonna be super exciting yeah i think yeah my my actually my favorite thing about eric and uh, no offense, Eric, if you're listening, but there was one point when, uh, you know, Arissa was asking, like, okay, have you learned to make fire? And Eric says that he watched one YouTube video on how to make fire that was three and a half minutes long, and he fast-forwarded through most of the middle because he got <laughs> bored. Like, Eric, that's the most important part! You don't, you, you don't need to know the final product and the starting product. There's a lot in between there that's going to be involved in terms yeah. of making that fire come to life. Yeah, he, I think he's another good example of this subtle, like, he's kind of at first glance, kind of a bit of a snore, just kind of like, okay, whatever, but then, like, he has some stuff like that, or, like, when he, like, said that he was allergic to arrogant people, and she asked him about that, or I don't know if Josh asked, or I don't know who, I can't remember who it was who asked him about that, and he was like, well, you know, you have to put something on the, on the yeah, I don't, I don't so, have like, any allergies, and he said the story about, like, and there was, I saw this movie once where this girl said, uh, I'm allergic to dancing, so dancing might be my yeah. second allergy. Yeah. So, so there's, there's a subtle kind of endearing, dopey, funny quality about him. Yeah, well, that's the thing, is when I compared with JP, I love jp so much because right, yeah. of this, this is damning with fame yeah praise. right yeah. exactly um and honestly d- to be boring is probably a great thing in real life <laughs> if you're boring on a reality tv cast um so in addition to eric i also had julia as somebody who i thought might get a purple mm. edit because she's just so nice and seems like such a great person and i think she could end up potentially being a narrator on the season but on the flip side i could also be see her as somebody who just doesn't get a lot of airtime because you know there's you know she doesn't really have that like one singular crazy standout moment right yeah, no I, I had similar concerns with her i think the strongest thing she has going for her is like you said she has the potential to be a narrator and she can be a go-to person to explain things but um I don't think there's necessarily anything about her that's like super quirky or eccentric. She's just pretty middle of the road, well-spoken, smart um, woman. So uh, I can definitely see your, your concern there. Yeah. I had Julia down too, just because I think in the stuff that I reviewed, she obviously has this, you know, really heartbreaking story about losing her father at a young age and how survivors sort of helped bridge her gap from a maturity perspective to get her into, you know, help her get closure and help her grieve properly. That's sort of the only thing I got from her, mm-hmm. unfortunately. You know, like from a personality perspective, she says, like, I'm a natural people person. I'm I'm an open book and relatable. And this is my last hurrah before med school. But from like a personality perspective, like you said before, Paul, there wasn't anything else that really stuck out to me in terms of like really quirky moments. So that can go one of two directions. As you mentioned, it might make her a very reliable, level headed person that can narrate a lot of what's going on. Or it could mean that she gets relegated to more of the chaff positions, you know, when when Mm. other fireworks are going off around her. Mm. And then Eric will be there to put out the fire, you know, so the whole purple edit team. All right. Well, I I know how a fire starts and I know how to put it out. But like, what do I do in between? I fast forwarded through that part. (laughs) Yeah, well, maybe was he one of the ones who didn't seem to have a or maybe less of a soup, quote unquote, super fan? Because if he didn't get the surround and drown. From Jeremy, then maybe he might not know how to do it. Yeah, he was the one who, when they did the quiz of like, "What's your favorite season?" He goes, "Uh, ooh, uh Survivor 38," and then that was it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. 
Yeah, that's like the answer of like, uh, who's your favorite or like, what player are you like? No one. Like, I'm I'm my own person. Although I will say, okay, so I have to talk about this quick because I love that uh, Joe, Aubrey, Kelly, and David, three of the four of them put themselves as the player they're most like, and Joe put Kim Spradlin. That makes me believe, actually, in this cockamamie idea that I have that Joe Anglum was able to make his own angle or Anglum to switch bodies with Kim Spradlin before going out on the island because he wants to make sure he wins this time. Okay, so this is like Freaky Friday meets the Ron Clark story in the fact that Ron Clark is also there. (laughs) It's there. It's the crossover movie between the Freaky Friday and Ron Clark story uh, where I don't know if Joe tricked Kim or if he asked her kindly. Maybe she needed some time away from her kids, you know, a nice vacay. Uh, But they switch bodies. And Kim not really getting herself into the Joey Amazing frame of mind. Maybe that's why she got the mustache, because she thought, you know what? Now that I have, you know, now that I'm inside this big manly body, let me do something fun with it. I've never been able to grow facial hair before. (laughs) And so she just sort of like didn't even realize it, wrote down Kim Spradlin as the player that you're most like. And now that draws a lot of concerning looks. (laughs) The mustache is disguised. They'll never recognize me. Paul, did you have any thoughts about not uh, not the Kim Spradlin showy, uh amazing the, Freaky Friday uh, theory, but purple purple person? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to leave that theory just be. I think it kind of speaks for itself. Um, I actually went with I think in a similar sense to Julia not getting a lot of substance. I didn't get that much from Lauren, um, and I felt like she just said all the right things about being an athlete and how this is just graduating from college and I can just see her being um, the bikini babe that doesn't actually talk on the show very much. Mm. So I, I could see Lauren actually be in those, that narrator role as well. It seems like Jeff really loves Lauren. I don't, can't remember if he made her his winner pick, but he did say like she's one to look out for. So I wonder if that means that the show's going to concentrate a lot on her. Uh, and she does have this idea of like she wants to mix what the the competitiveness from the soccer field with the bubbliness from the social environment with the brains from her college career. So we'll see if that's a mixture that, you know, at least success. I actually really liked her. Um, you know, I know that she's young. She's 21. So she's not Will Wall, but still, you know, she just graduated college like seven days before going out there to play. Um, but I think that she is somebody who could really fall under the guidance of, Oh, I don't know, maybe a returning player. Um, and uh, and really play the game well. And I think she's somebody who could really succeed. So I think I could see her probably falling more under, yeah, the, the sort of maybe narrator role. Um, uh, apart from the fact that she was very discriminatory against people who chose Twizzlers over Red Vines. And, uh, you know, for the next season of Survivor, Twizzlers versus Red Vines versus Hershey's Chocolate, you know, then that'll like really get her into some hot water. But otherwise, I liked her. Would two tribes be colored red in that season? Ooh, yeah, that's a good question. That would be terrible. Um, but, uh, well, uh, Twizzlers are like a little bit pinker. So it's like a red pink versus a deep red. So they, then you can tell the difference. Very subtle. Very yeah. subtle. All right, let's move on here. Most likely to flip. Who's going to be our major flippers on this twist-worthy season? Uh, last time I went with Devilish Davy. Liana, you went with the popular choice of Natalia. And Paul, you chose our eventual winner, Nick Wilson. Uh, Liana, who from this cast is mo- most likely to flip? Okay. I wrote, 
I wrote Keith. So little Keith, I love him, first of all, uh, but I'm just so nervous for him out there. Um, you know, he talked about, oh, you know, I know I'm young. I'm 19. I want to play different than the other people who have been young who have played before me. Like, well, both those people made jury. So I'm a little nervous about what exactly that means. And I think what it could lead to is flighty gameplay. And that goes with flipping to, you know, to another group of people. I I thought about Keith as well. My only thing is that Keith was talking about like, I want to be everyone's younger brother. You know, he really wants to play up that yes man number two role. And I feel like that separates from someone like Will, who was like, I must make a move. I will do it now. I'm in control of my own destiny. Uh, so I wonder if Keith might be one of those go along guys who like gets taken out uh, because, you know, the other alliance was aiming for his number one ally, but he got hit due to an idol play or something. Younger brothers are flip flopping all over the place. Come on. <laughs> what do you think, Paul? Um, and I, I was I was trying to think if I uh, wanted to change this. No, I think I'm going to stick by um, Mr. Jump on the Table himself, Ron Clark. I just think he's, you know, following his own Essential Rule 51, live so that you will never have regrets. I just think of anyone, he's probably the most likely to flip for the sake of flipping, like, like just naturally going to be the most aggressive in terms of gameplay, um, considering what he said in his pregame stuff. So that's probably where I'm going to stay. Is that is that now, one of his rules? Yeah, that was. Always like flip. Better that in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, if he's jumping around, why not put some other gymnastics in there? That's true. Parkour. Right. Doesn't he also like do rap? Is isn't that what he told Josh that he likes to incorporate rap into his teaching? Yeah, he'll do. He'll be like, as he's teaching, he kind of breaks into a rap about like long division or something like that. Like, <gasps> it's actually the actually oh, the first no. time. I, what <laughs> we call it the remainder that's the number that remains oh no oh god sorry for opening up this um but i actually remember the first time i had ever heard of him was before i you know was even working in this district was he had a group of kids on some like morning network um television show and they were singing i think it was before one of the election and they were all singing um you can vote however you like to the tune of what's that, that song you can have whatever you like exactly um and so like that's when i first like kind of knew who knew who he was was doing that stuff so he does do a lot of like singing and rapping and that kind of stuff oh Ooh, i cannot wait for the collaboration between ron clark and bryce isaiah after this season <laughs> featuring chris noble uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna download that like three times. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, so I I can totally see that too. I think the fact that he said that he's an aggressive person and really wants to play totally lends itself to flipping. But the other thing I was thinking about was when he said that he's really good at creating a family atmosphere. I got for a quick second in my mind like coach in South Pacific. And I was like, can you imagine if Ron Clark builds his own little academy of Ron Clarks and then they like run the game somehow and then maybe he gets you know at the end he loses um but that's something else that i could see if he doesn't flip i could see this family like mentality sort of being created so i personally went with most likely to flip give me newlywed gavin uh just because gavin made frequent references to like uh they might think i'm just the the genteel southern guy but i actually have a brain behind this and he made frequent references to jt something tells me he's going to appear like JT 1.0, but he's going to play like JT 2.0 and JT 3.0, which is to say 
gives no Fs behind the scenes and will just cut your throat when you least suspect it. Yeah, he needs his Steven. Um, I could to- I could totally see that, too. Um, so whenever I think of Gavin, the only thing I think of is him saying, my wife, because that's, <laughs> that's what I heard. Which, to be fair, Josh asked him a lot about his wife. And so that's all I think about. So, you know, maybe without his wife there to sort of keep him in line, we should see a lot of fun things. Yeah. You uh, you conveyed this idea in a much, in a much uh, a funnier way than my notes. Marriage thing is getting old. I'm sorry, you mean <laughs> but his then wife? he's not. But he's not. He's not going to tell people about his wife. I, I really like, want that was weird. I really want. Him, wow. I, I want her to him to make the family visit for so many reasons. But for Jeff to say like, Gavin, you want to see your wife? Come on out. <laughs> a little Boratish, yeah. but okay. Yeah, <laughs> keep working at it. But you know, he was an interesting one. I I absolutely love just listening to the first one out interviews and just really kind of you can hear how people pick up on social cues and how they are. And with him, I was picking up on a subtle way that I didn't feel like he was always the most active listener. And and his his repeating of the same thing again. And sometimes it was like it was clear it was clear to me listening that like the next social step would be okay josh is is going to insert something here and he would keep going with what he was saying and would sometimes kind of keep talking over what what josh was getting at so i am a little concerned that that he may have a few more problems in the social department than he'd like to think that's mm. interesting. I didn't pick up on it, but now that you say that, that's probably why I kept hearing the same things over and over and over again <laughs> and kept talking about. Um, what did you hear? <laughs> I'm sorry, me and my laugh. Um, which I, I'm sorry. Like I do love Gavin. I'm actually really excited to see him play. Um, and I just, just because I kept hearing that so many times, that's all that's stuck into my brain. You know, and you're trying to remember these little things about people. I have like super fan Nick archetype. My wife is like the two notes that I have written down. Um, I'm actually really excited to see him interact with uh, with some of these other castmates because I I think that he's particularly entertaining. He falls under also my sort of, you know, these like subtle weirdos. Um, and I think he could have an interesting run on the show. I think I own that tank top that he's wearing in a lot of his interviews. Oh. <laughs> okay, I didn't pull this comment, but spoiler alert from the uh, Facebook page. So his video was posted and someone said his wife let him wear that. Oh boy! Oh. oh no! I'm taking a visit to my wardrobe after this podcast. Now I have been uh, con- through Gavin's conduit. I have been judged based on my wardrobe choices by the Survivor <laughs> Casual community. Yeah, that happens a lot. All right. Well, let's move on here. Most likely to start a podcast, and if we are so inclined, what that podcast might be about. Paul, who do you have here? Is it the Ron Clark podcast? <laughs> it could be like Essential Ron or something. He may already have something out there. I'm not sure. No, I'm going to give this podcast to one of the kind of entrepreneurs on the season who uh, works from home and works being creative. And uh, I'm going to have a podcast called Truly Julie. And uh, uh, Julie is going to podcast about um, some little bit like you know, she talked about um, those or, you know, organic or um, the what, what kind of how did she describe the toys she makes and sells? Wooden. Like oh. um, wooden. <laughs> What's that word? It starts with a W. Oh, e- eco-friendly. Wife? No, was it wife? A wood. Eco-friendly. Okay, that's what I'm looking for. Um, and to me, she seems just like a very interesting person and I kind of want to go back and listen to some of her stuff because she was the first one I really kind of did research on and I feel like she just kind of has a calm presence about her and she could have kind of a chill um, 
interesting podcast. The weird thing about her is like, I'm really hoping that I, I like her because I want to. She reminds me of this crazy woman I had classes with in college who like, this is a whole, this could be its own podcast, me telling the story of what happened with this lady, but she was about the same age as Julie. She kind of looked like Julie. And instead of doing eco-friendly wooden toys, this lady that I had class with was really into making, um, and or she went, had a blog about it or something about eco-friendly sex toys. And so it was like another parallel here. And um, things just got really weird with this lady to the point where she thought the government was filming her having sex. And it just was like, it turned really weird fast with this one. So that's why I'm going to at least call it now that, that Julie's going to have a very interesting podcast. I not want to imagine what Ponderosa might be like if she decides the product. They're all filming me. Yes, Julie, that's the show. That's what, that's, that's what it's about. <laughs> Julie's out there with her tinfoil hat on. Um, she was on the Kama Sutra tribe, so I guess um, I guess that's a thing. I I really liked her. Um, I think it was funny that she told the story about peeing in bushes. So of course that's what I wrote in my notes: peed in bushes! Exclamation point! Because I really latch on to the critical things you need to know about a player. Um, but I would listen to her podcast. It's interesting. She used to be a teacher. If Ron Clark Academy 2.0 yeah. is coming around, mm-hmm. we know who the first recruit might be. Hey, Julie's super interesting because I agree, Paul. She's a total calm presence, even though she probably is the most out of her element here. Like she even admits, like, yeah, I watched a couple of YouTube videos, and unlike other people, I didn't fast forward <laughs> through them. Uh, you know, I uh, I don't really have much outdoor experience, so I feel like there's a good chance she's gone pretty quickly. Uh, but she seems so pleasant. I just am so intrigued to see like how a to- what a toy maker will do with the concept of fake idols as well. Oh yeah, if she could get the fake idol making kit, that could be. We could actually see a, a true thing of beauty. Unless unless you can only make like trains and soldiers, then those don't, those don't really look like idols. Well, you never know. All the idols look like trains this season. Who would have thought? This is <laughs> the edge of extinction. If only they used the uh, the tribal council set from thirty five, which was the train tracks. Exactly. See. Um, okay, so for I had most likely to start a podcast. This is a very specific idea that pops into my head. So this is, of course, teacher Ron Clark and firefighter Aaron Hafman, Hoffman, whatever. And it's called Fighting Fire with Fire. And it's a podcast about various competitive activities and their rivalry with each other. And uh, so they talk about Napoli and all that stuff and how Eric, you know, they try to make fire and how he fast forwarded through it. But then he put it out. And I just think the two of them could be really fun. Interesting. So are you sussing out like a rivalry between them or do you just think that they'll make good podcast co-hosts? Uh, well, I think they would make good podcast co-hosts, but uh, yes, sure. Maybe they'll have a rivalry. I don't know. I've written my predictions yet. Thank you for the idea. <laughs> uh, so I went with someone who does a lot of talking for his career anyway. Uh, give me a subscription to Rick's Clicks where uh, Rick Devins decides to review the websites that he recently went on to. I'm glad you didn't pick another word that rhymes with Rick. <laughs> nope. That's, uh, that's, that's the territory of that woman you know that's a lot like Julie. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, Rick is very, I mean, he's an affable personality. He was shown, he was memeable for months talking about busting into this uh, the show like Kool-Aid Man. I think that clearly he has the gift of gab. He's, he also seems very self-conscious about, you know, the method that he's entering and the way that he looks, he keeps talking about his dad, Bod. I'm hoping he does well because he's, he's an awesome personality. Uh, and I'm hoping that he is able to, like you say, like really blend in with the other growy or macho guys. He can sort of be their friend, but not necessarily be the alpha who gets targeted early. 
Yeah, I uh, I expected to find him annoying. I did not, and I was very pleasantly surprised. I actually really like Rick. Um, I don't know, maybe yeah, I find his news anchor voice comforting in some way. I also loved when he was like, "Yeah, I've got two kids, two dogs, two cats, and a wife." I was like, "Ah, so close." A wife, uh, two <laughs> a wives, what? two wives. Um, and, and then uh, yeah, when he uh, wrote that he has claimed to fame, it's like you rescued a cat stuck up on a tree. I was like, you and Eric, maybe he needs to get on the podcast with Eric and Rick or Ron, whatever his name is. Um, so yeah, I, I'm excited to have Rick play. I would love to see his podcast too. What do you think about Rick Paul? Yeah, I think um, I think very much similar to what Liana was saying. I expected myself to be more annoyed with him than I was, and uh, I generally liked him and. Um, probably someone on the cast that I can probably relate to the most. There was there was a lot of time where I it was my dream to be a uh, a newscaster. So um, oh. there's there's a part of me that identifies with uh, with Rick. So um, we'll see what he can do. All right, let's move on here. We spoke about the possibility of Julie constructing a Thomas the Tank Engine fake idol, uh, but let's go to the superlative most likely to find a fake idol. This is the J Starrett Memorial Award for most likely to find a fake idol, think it's real, ends up playing it and gets egg all over their face. Obviously, with someone like David Wright playing, you know there is a high possibility of this occurring. Paul, who's your pick for most likely to find a fake idol? I was going to say, should we count down together? Three, two, one, and I'll shout Eric? Because I just feel like <laughs> Eric's going to do it. Like he's He has that dopey charm to him and um, doesn't seem like he knows the show like super well. So... I I I challenge you to to find a better pick. Yeah, I was in a, mm. in a sort of a similar vein. I was going to say Chris, um, and that David yeah, Wright I can see that. led him to it. You know, <laughs> oh, what's that? I don't know. And then Chris plays it. I could definitely see that happening. I'm I'm going to go a little bit unconventional here. Uh, give me Big Wendy. Ooh. I think that Wendy is super bubbly. And so much fun. Obviously, she sticks out like a sore thumb, just the hair alone. But I wonder if it's a thing where, like, she does seem, like, super friendly to the point where she might get convinced to do something that she doesn't necessarily should be doing. So, like, if someone really wants to burn her, they could give her a fake idol and she could end up playing it only for it to backfire on her completely, unfortunately. I could see that happening. I think Wendy, unfortunately, suffers from the fact that we don't have a lot of other really strong personalities on this season. And so I think that oh. that definitely puts her at a disadvantage because she is just so energetic and so, so much energy. I mean, that really is Wendy. Um, and so I think that that could work to her detriment. But if she is super energetic, then we could see her playing, you know, balls to the walls, playing all those fake idols. That could definitely be something uh, she would do. She did say one of her hobbies was getting into shenanigans and playing a fake idol, I think, qualifies as a shenanigan. Absolutely. Do we think do we think, Paul, that after she gets uh, she plays her time on survival, she'll start uh, shilling out her own, you know, pop culture parody clothes around the game, and will CBS take action as a result? I mean, I hope so. I, I loved all her descriptions of the the types of clothing she makes, but and she was so like she was so interesting. Like, I wonder if I think she definitely has the potential to be someone who, like, for me, and probably uh, probably it sounds like the both of you are in the same boat. Like, as you're listening to her, she's so 
unique and quirky that you just are drawn in. So you really are trying to figure out what she's like, what she's all about. But I, I think there's a high potential there that either one, if people get annoyed, which I think there's a possibility there, or two, if there are, if people are not willing to really like get sucked in by her energy, like she also was the other one I noted with some social cues about the fact that she was just dropping the name of Bell. Like Josh was supposed to know what Bell was. I come from the, the small town of Bell. And it was like, it took a long time before she even came to the fact that, okay, yeah, we're talking Southern California here. Or like that she was, where was the place that she and her mom worked? The um, Swamp Mill? or what? Swamp Yeah, Swamp Swamp Meat. Swamp Meat. Not, oh, sw- not the Swamp Mill. <laughs> okay, I literally, I literally have Swamp Mill written down, so uh, <laughs> that's pretty bad. Um, but, you know, like, it just was like, and Josh was like, wait, what? What is that? And then she says it, and, and then she keeps talking. He goes, no, like what, like, what is that? Like, so I just think, like, I mean, there's the potential there. If she's someone who, like, really draws people in and they are, like, so into uh, finding out more about her that it could work. But I think there's a very high early boot potential. So I don't know if she'll be around long enough to find that fake idol, Mike. I don't know. Does she have a Does she have a sob story where people don't want to send her back to the swamp mill if she gets voted out? <laughs> Wait, sw- sw- swamp meat, swap meat, swap meat, or I prefer swamp mill. Swap meat. Okay, I have listened to however many interviews and videos with her, and I now just know that it is swap meat. Meats. What did you think? It I was? have no idea. Meats. What is a swap meat? Where you swap meat? Oh. That nope. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's uh, that's in uh, um, whose podcast? Yeah, that's where that, that that particular woman's set of toys will do pretty, yeah. pretty well at the swap meet. You'll find out on Truly Julie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move into some superlatives that are more specific to this particular season. We have Extinction Island, and we know that eventually, at some point in time, unknown to both the castaways and us, someone's going to be coming back at least once most likely to win their way back into the game via Extinction Island. Just like Paul said with the fake idol, I feel like we could do the countdown 3, 2, 1, and Joe, Joe slash Kimia, mm-hmm. uh, or Co-Spradglim, uh, if we want to go with that. But yeah, I mean, a lot of people are speculating that this is something to uh, to really help Joe's game if he just spends the entire time on an Extinction Island. Considering that, you know, he's a pretty buff guy who does particularly well in these balance beam challenges and the hold your own weight etc it seems like he's set up pretty well for this right plus there's no keith nail to take him down um there is a keith <laughs> that's right uh yeah i mean i had uh joe or ozzy swims his way back to the island and somehow <laughs> wins his way back into the game. If it's not joe it's ozzy that's the two most likely <laughs> yeah that's good point good yeah. point you know what like if joe wants to just live happily out on the island of extinction like just go let him, you know, like, oh, Joe, he's just going to have fun out there. So maybe they don't let him back to the game. Maybe he just wants to stay. I like it. So instead of, you know, Earl named his ex- Exile Island Earl Island, instead of Joe Island, it could be the Archipelago. Oh. And it's just his series of islands that he gallivants about. Yes. That's exactly what it is. Um, so it, it, otherwise, I actually Lauren was somebody who stood out to me who could be a really strong competitor. But she's actually, a division I- one athlete. Uh, yeah, she's a D1 athlete, but I don't think that she is going to be voted out. So then I wrote, Lauren, wait, no, I don't think she's going to be voted out. So, but if she does, I say Lauren. Wow. Thank you for that peek behind the curtain, Liana. You're welcome. 
Paul, did you have anyone else besides Joe in terms of someone who might do well? I mean, Joe could win his way back twice, but do you think anyone else stands a chance of doing um, well on Extinction Island maybe here? Maybe Kelly um, as well, I think, is is could be potential. I think she is fairly well suited in a lot of challenges. Maybe Aurora seems like she's kind of a beast. So it, it's just kind of, it's like, it's hard because you can't always see on paper who is like, who are really good at these random survivor challenges. And I think because we know how well Joe does that, we just, we, we, that's just the obvious pick here. It's interesting not to deviate too much in terms of, you know, bringing back these four returnees. Cause I know even David was speculating as to like why these four, the more I thought about it, the more I realized that these are kind of, if you think about, you know, a group of the most famous faces that represent the thirties, the most recent group of seasons, you know, these would four would definitely be on the list. There are some other people that you can definitely add on there, but I feel like all four of these people at least made enough of a name for themselves, or even if it's random that they're coming back for this particular season, their names and reputations sort of speak for themselves, which you can't necessarily say about other people who have come back to play. Okay. Wait, sorry, what? Okay. Oh, just, no, just because I, I know there was a lot of grousing, or, you know, when the cast was announced about, like, why is Joe back? He doesn't fit in amongst the Kelly and the Aubrey and the David because they're big strategists. And I think if you think less so about the gameplay aspect and more about like, you know, someone who is notable in the franchise yeah. who's played in the past yeah. three years or so, then that makes sense more in terms of those yeah, four people. Yeah, I, I think it was a it was a pretty good test for me when like the when they were spoiled however long ago last year uh, that they were coming back. I think I um. Like my brother, who is he's somewhere between a casual and a super fan, and the fact that he knows the show really well, but doesn't, you know, isn't locked into every podcast and that type of thing. I kind of asked him, like, okay, there's two guys, two girls coming back, and I kind of gave him some parameters, and it did not take him long to come up with these four. It was like maybe he guessed one other person in there. Like it's just, it kind of was the logical uh, four people, and I, I like this representation too. From that, you know, we go from twenty nine, thirty. Uh, you know, 32 and 33. I kind of like that um, that chronolo- chronology there. Well, I think also when you only have four returning players, they really need to be people who you would recognize. Um, and so I think that this group of four totally makes sense from that perspective. All right. Speaking of returning players, let's move into this next superlative. Most likely to work against a returning player. We talked a bit about some people that might fall under their wing, but uh, much rarer among them are the contestants who say, screw these returning players. I'm not with you. I'm against you. Liana, who among these new players, or I guess you could put a returning player as well, is most likely to uh, to turn against the returning players? This yeah, season. the self-hating returning player. Um, that it could very easily be someone like David Wright, to be completely I honest. I could totally see that. Uh, I actually had Ron Clark, uh, because he... Same! Oh my god, same! I think he even said he wanted to bring a returning player to make them the target. <laughs> as one of the people that are things that he would bring to the island. Um, there's no room in the Ron Clark Academy for returning players. Yeah, for me, it was a thought of like, he, again, like you said, Paul, like has this idea of authority. And I believe he's older than all of the returning players. I mean, I think he's like one year older than David, but I feel like he could be in a situation where he's like, I'm not going to let these people lead me around and tell me what to do. You know, I, I made a name for myself through my own style of leadership. I'm going to show them what I'm capable of, and he'll get in a lot of hot water as a result. Now, he does have a, a central rule 25 to greet visitors and make them feel welcome. 
uh, so, and then stab them in the back, right? Was the second part. Oh, that's of that. the, the claws underneath that. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I missed that one. <laughs> um, I didn't go with Ron Clark. I, he like, definitely was on top of my list. I went with someone we haven't talked about yet, which is the War Dog. Um, mm. And the reason I went with him is because, honestly, uh, he talks a lot. And so it was like, I got, I think I got kind of the gist of him. Um, but there were some things that I really liked that he said that kind of showed like a, a larger understanding of the game. One of them being like, I really liked what he had to say about um, whether he wanted to be a legend or a winner and that he would much rather be a winner. So that kind of shows me that he's not necessarily worried about like ruining his reputation for taking out, um, you know, a fan favorite that he's, he doesn't care about that. And I just really liked his understanding of like, if you win the game, you deserve to win. You know, it's, it's not about the audience. It's more about um, the people you're playing with. So that kind of led me to say that I could see him going head to head with, uh, with one of these returning players. Yeah. Uh, I could see that too. Yeah, the war dog is super interesting to me. I, I really can't get a grasp on his personality because, I mean, maybe like he says, it's the optics of everything, but he really has that particular Tony looking like persona. But he's like, I'm going to play up the jester and not really look for idols the first couple of days. And it's like, I don't know. Tony had his own jester like qualities, whether intentional or unintentional. So it's, it's still kind of hearkening back to that original source. And also, if people are going to assume you're looking for idols because you're comparable to Tony, why not look for idols? You know, you're you're if you're already being labeled with that, you might as well, you know, double down on it and actually start looking for something that could save you. Mm, Yes, but he brings a certain sex appeal that men his age haven't had for over a decade or most have never had uh, on why that was his description on why he'll be the sole survivor. Um, He was really interesting to me because I think, yes, because of the optics, I had a certain, you know, view of him while I was watching his video uh, with Arissa. But then when I was listening to him with Josh, I was just thinking like, God, this guy is so intense. Um, I don't know how that's going to work out on the island, um, but I could see him definitely trying to play aggressively and target some of these returning players. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, he also has had a super storied life. His life story is extremely captivating. Maybe he should get Matthew Perry to store in a war dog movie as well. Uh, you know, between like joining the army and then going to play poker full time in Vegas for two years. Now he's in law school. Like he's lived an extremely storied life at only 38 years of age. And I wonder if that's given him a certain confidence about himself that he will bring into his tribe where even again if people have a wealth of experience in survivor he i think he has a wealth of life experience that might give him a sort of elevated status mm-hmm. i think it'll make him an interesting character right let's move on here uh in honor of the great christian hubicki the most likely to talk someone to death in a challenge <laughs> superlative paul who do you have um i'm gonna stick with the war dog on this one just simply because his interviews were long. His videos were long. And he kind of just had a way of the way he talks and narration and giving extra details. Um, I thought maybe Wendy at first, but honestly, like her, her stuff was kind of short and terse. Like it was kind of like just a burst of energy. And then she kind of stops talking and waits to be prompted again. Whereas I feel like War Dog was the one most likely to carry on an extended conversation uh, without being stopped. 
Hmm. So I said Rick uh, because he's a news anchor. And so his job is literally having to talk. Uh, but now that I realize that you have to be brief, I guess, as a news anchor, you don't spend a lot of time pontificating about extra things. So maybe it could be Gavin because maybe also he won't hear uh, when other people are giving him social cues that it's no longer his time to talk about whatever specific uh, topic it is. And he'll just keep going. Let me talk to you about my third date with my wife. Oh, it was glorious. The sun was shining. It was April 23rd. It was the best date. So I went with, I think, the one player left who we haven't talked about yet. I, I had David as an option there just because he does. Maybe it's just the Christian comparison, but he could definitely talk up a storm. I went with Victoria because Victoria is someone who is extremely complex. Uh, just between like, you know, she's a waitress, but she was the valedictorian of her college. And she she probably is the most prepared. She's like the, the stone cold opposite of someone like Eric, who's like, I didn't really need to prepare much. She like studied all this stuff. She read through Malcolm's various journals as to like how much dietary, uh, what a, a diet she should go on before going on to Survivor. I feel like she just has a lot of knowledge in that big old redheaded brain that she's just ready to let spill out at any point in time to drive someone to drop off during an endurance challenge. Yeah, she always talks about doing her homework so she could just, you know, recite some of her homework. And I'm sure that would last a very long time. I could I could definitely see Victoria doing that. Yeah, I really liked Victoria. I think um, the, uh, I think, like you said, she's very complex with the things that um, she talks about and that she she's well prepared. Um, but for me, just like looking at her and watching her on the video, she seems way younger than she actually is. Like when I first look at her and when I hear her talk, I would not have been shocked if you said she's like 19. Like she's like a really, really young mm -hmm. contestant. So I wonder if that's going to play a factor, but um, I don't really have anything negative to say about her. I hope her family visit is her guinea pig peeve just to see what that would have been like. Oh yes. Her pet peeve. Get it. <laughs> That's why. Listen, a woman who loves wordplay is uh, someone I'm going to love as a survivor contestant. So I, I cannot malign her too much. She also has a guinea pig named scamp who is her inspiration. Aww. Oh, poor, poor peeve. Then it's yeah. the, the blunt end of the stick. It's like, I don't have a favorite child, but I do have a favorite guinea pig. <laughs> It's Stick. Aww. Wait, his, his name was Stick? No, Scamp. Oh, I don't know why I said Stick. <laughs> we can get her a new guinea pig, and then we've named this guinea pig Stick. <laughs> <laughs> we have to pronounce it in the Gavin-like way. Uh, all right, let's talk about our final superlative here. The Jacket Gate Award Ooh, wow. for most likely to leave someone in the cold after getting voted out and denying someone that nice, warm piece of clothing that they have been seeking. For quite some time. Liana, who's your pick here? Oh, I said Aurora. She's a divorce <laughs> lawyer. Like, nothing else needs to be said. <laughs> That's, I, I, we, you did not sign the prenup before voting me say. out, so I take the jacket and go. Did you sign a prenup? Mm -hmm. Nope. Aurora? Aurora? <laughs> no, I like I liked that um, pick uh, a lot. Yeah. Yeah, same. Uh, I Aurora down. I also went with War Dog. I feel like War Dog could be somebody be like, I survived in the army with less. You'd be fine. And then just walk off. <laughs> I said maybe Reem if she gets like, you know, kind of freaks out like she did on her at her trainer. But uh, I like the I like the Aurora pick. Oh, hold on. Let me see. Let's see if there's anything in the Ron Clark rules about 
possessions here. Let's see yeah, here. Is there anything about like what you do with the classroom lost and found? Um, let's see here. Um, if you do not win, do not brag. If you lose, do not show anger. So that that does kind of fall into that. Do not cut <laughs> in cut, do not you, cut in line. Um, you lose, do not hoard jackets. Um, right. I don't know if that's let's see here. After dining in the cafeteria or elsewhere, be responsible for your trash. So I'm not saying anything uh, explicit here about about coats. Maybe he'll have some extra rules after he finishes playing Survivor. Yeah, he'll have a Survivor appendix yeah. to like all the rules he can now add back. Yes. Oh my. So so we basically reviewed the cast through our superlatives. We'll check back at the end of the season to see how correct or most likely incorrect we were about all these. But it's a nice way to sort of nice some nice lenses to view these 18 people through. Uh, Liana, what have you brought to the table for us to talk about? Yeah, so we got to talk about the cast. I actually want to talk about the format because I love me some logistics. Uh, and so I just want to... Is that is that the name of uh, of Victoria's guinea pig, right? Logistics? Logistics, yes. Um, logistics, sticks. Uh, Ricks, logistics. Swamp mill. Swamp, swamp meat. Swamp meat. Okay, uh, I digress. Anyway. So I wanted to hear your the two of your thoughts about how the Island of Extinction, which I actually wrote in my notes as extension, because that's kind of how it works, I suppose. Uh, it extends people's games. Just because I started thinking about, are we going to see psychological warfare, like with sort of tease? Are we going to see people quit? How many people are going to live out there? Are they going to get any food? Are they going to get any shelter? Like, what is going to happen to these people that are just sort of neglected out on this Island of Extension? So, in terms of, I mean, there, you asked a lot of questions there. I'll, I'll try to answer <laughs> Sorry, one. she's just being essential. She's responding with a question. Yeah, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll answer with another question. Uh, in terms of the shelter thing, I mean, all we saw was that boat with the sail. Something makes me believe that they'll have to find their own shelter. And maybe in terms of food, it's like the Exile Island thing where they're given, like, a machete and a pot. Not the Ghost Island thing where they're actually given more rice than they do back at their own camp. But I feel like they are purposely making things scanned because they're going to try to push people to quit as much as possible. They want to avoid the doomsday scenario of 18 people still alive in the finale. So I think they're really going to try to, and I don't mean like pulling out a rain machine to just constantly dump on them every day all in, but I feel like really limiting them on supplies even more than they have in recent seasons uh, would be a way to do so. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I. I guess I could see that. I, I guess I. Okay. That's what my original thought was. Is like, well, of course they're not going to give them any food. They're just going to have to, you know, scavenge for coconuts or whatever. But then, are they really going to let them out there with no food? I would just feel bad. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's it's going to be. I think like when we had Redemption Island and Exile. Well, Exile Island they would spell things out a little bit more for us about how things worked. But I feel like with, with Redemption Island, there just was kind of some unspoken things we never really got the logistical side of it. So I think as long as they stay on the side of the intrigue of the twist, which I think is really a really fun idea. I think if, even though you're a fan of the logistics, Liana, I think if we kind of steer away from, from defining the logistics of it, I think that's what's going to keep the intrigue uh, of this twist. Mm, that's true. So I guess it's the surprise of what could potentially be happening next. I think what they should do is, okay, sure. They're going to try to starve them out, right? To have them quit. So they don't have that doomsday scenario. Or they could start to just psychologically mess with them. So even if they're not torturing mm. each other, maybe Survivor could torture them a little bit with the psychological warfare, warfare of it all. 
I think mm-hmm. that could See, be I fun. really like I like that because I've been watching X on the Beach and they have this thing called the Shack of Secrets where they really try to just stir the pot a bit by, you know, if there's one couple that's really feeling each other out, uh, they'll bring in like text messages that the guy has exchanged with his booty call back home, you know, and I, I don't know what they necessarily want to uh, make a lot of home wrecking situations, but I do wonder if production could bring in some certain elements from each of these people's lives and just sprinkle them throughout little tree mails to really, uh, you know, mess with their moods a bit. Yeah, this is like what Big Brother eight. <laughs> We're gonna have some people come back in. Okay, or you could put like Tamar Braxton out there on the island with them and then see how it goes. And Lolo Jones. Then I think we're really in for a very fun twist. I like that. Uh I mean I don't know how good they would be for this, especially um, maybe unless you give them uh you give them unlimited food and they have to eat food in front of them and then also degrade them while they're eating. Yes, mm. exactly. I think that's key. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess fine. I'll just have to live with the mystery of uh, of the island of extension and we'll see how it goes. Um but what I want to do uh before we move on to our next thing is to um to talk about uh some some fan levels. Uh, that were discussed on the Survivor Facebook page. So we are going to play Yes Casuals Corner, where we go to the Survivor Facebook page, and I pull some comments that people have left. But there was one comment in particular that stood out, and uh, it made me think of how so many people in their bios or in their interviews talked about being a fan. So I wanted to read to you some of the levels of fandom, according to this person on Facebook. Mm. Okay, so level zero, people who say, what? That show's still on. So like Eric, for example, could potentially be someone who falls under that fan level. Um, level one, people who watch when the show is on TV to kill time. They don't watch the show consistently. Survivor's not a part of their life. I don't yes. know who that would be. Level two. I know a coworker. Yes. Thank you. Uh-huh. Okay, so yes, Paul's coworker, level one. Level two, people who watch the show every season, however, they would not be able to name any of the players. So, like Eric. So maybe Eric falls into this first three categories. <laughs> and my mom. Also, my mom. <laughs> yes. And uh, the carpool, her carpool buddies. <laughs> yes, my mom and the carpool bitches. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay, level three. People who watch the show consistently, they're able to remember players' names, their placement, and major events in the show. This is where I feel like the majority of the people... That's level three? Wow, that's pretty low. Uh, yeah, so this is where I feel... Well, okay, there's only five levels, but whatever. Uh, oh, yeah. okay, I thought there were like ten. <laughs> no, 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 there's only three. So I feel like this is where most of the people that call themselves, you know, big fans of the show, I think, sort of fall under. I, I, am I wrong? No, yeah. I, I would think so. I mean, it's interesting when they talked about their favorite seasons, I think only one... And it was Kelly Wentworth named their favorite season was season 20 was before season 20. So, I mean, it is very, you know, uh, is very heavily weighted towards the most recent seasons. But it does feel like everyone does have a pretty good grasp as to survivor history. There were some season names that were dropped. There were some player names that were dropped from back in the day. It seems like people were saying that they've watched from the beginning. So that all feels very level three to me. Okay, so level four. People who watch the show religiously, they rewatch the rewatch or watch the show, read articles, listen to podcasts and analyze the players based on the moves that they make. Um, so do, do you think we have anybody who really falls under level four? I guess didn't Chris that sounds like Chris. Yeah, Chris. Chris yeah, surprisingly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think I think Chris, he even said in his Arisa interview, well, it's like I fell asleep the podcast at night. I rewatch as much as possible. So 
I don't know how much of it was spurred along with the fact that he was going out to play Survivor, but I guess he's just sort of, he boosted himself up into a level four status. Mm, okay. All right. So let's see if we have anybody who we think falls under this last category. Uh, level godlike. Old people who think this is a welfare system and go to the Survivor Facebook group to complain about how the show is being unfair for bringing back returning players that took their chances away from playing. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. That took a left turn. I know. I read that. I was like, wait, what? I guess, especially because I was like, oh, this would be really good. I could use this to think about, okay, where do we think people fit in? And then this last one was like, wait, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I just love that this person like was slowly turning a mirror and the final level was just facing it back out to the page. Like, think about what you're doing right now. Just take a hard look at yourself. This is too reflective for me. I can't handle this. Um, wow. Yeah. And, and very, very like casting. a. I mean, really, you know, rolling with a wide brush to say that all the people who come to a complain are all old people who got who missed out on the chance to come onto the show because they feel a returning player took their spot. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that's really a thing that much. Yeah, I thought that was very bizarre. Um, okay, so anyway, now let's talk about the old people who think this is a welfare system uh, to go on Survivor. So let's get into Casual's Corner. So now that we've had that little fun bit of awkwardness, let's talk about some other awkward comments that were made by the Casuals on the Survivor Facebook page. So these first questions are um, all about comments about a particular player. So this first question, this is for Paul. Um, and so the way that this game is going to uh, work is I have written one comment and I've pulled three comments from the Facebook page. So it is okay. your job to try to guess which comment I wrote. The other three were actual comments on the survivor page. So these comments are all about Dan Wardog to Sylvia. A. He swims like an infant. <laughs> B. His head is so shiny. They could make fire by reflecting the sun off of it. Aww. C. Why is he flexing? He's built like a 15-year-old. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Or D. Like the male version of Shambo. <laughs> oh. I... Shambro. <laughs> Did you do? I think Sham you made dog. up the one about the shiny head. Yes, that is correct. Um, uh, that's I tried for so long to come up with a joke about judges' wigs because for some reason I got very fixated on the concept of him wearing a judge's wig because he's a lawyer. He's in law school. Needless to say, that didn't pan out. So I can't so put that crappy one. I'm following rule number five. Why? If I win, I do not brag. So I'm trying to keep it keep it calm. <laughs> okay. I'm very intrigued as to why who is C hanging out with in terms of 15 year olds to say that he's built like one of them. <laughs> yeah, that was Seriously. my thought too. Like, what? No, because I had to go re-look at him because I was like, I don't remember him looking like a 15 year old. I teach um, a lot of 15 year olds. They do not look like this guy. Let me tell you that. <laughs> I can just imagine <laughs> Paul standing around just a bunch of war dogs just like, in the classroom. That is not what my German 2 looks like. Do uh, they look like male versions of Shamba though? Um, also negative. Yeah, what what what, what warrants the Shambro comparison? I'm super the hair. <laughs> the, or the lack thereof. Yes. I actually couldn't believe it when I found that comment. It's like, oh my gosh, I don't have to go very far for a Shambo comment. Well, we'll we'll have to see if uh, his tribe gets chickens. How much he'll try to talk with them. If the war dog will be able to communicate with chickens. That's right. Maybe he'll have a dream. We'll see. Uh, okay, Mike, this next question is for you. So these were all comments about Aurora. 
So A, she must be from New York City with a big mouth like that. B. I resent that. Is, I thought you'd like that one. Uh, B, is she from Disney? C, is she from the Wizard of Oz? <laughs> D, I went to her Facebook page and found that I appreciated several of her memes. That's why I'll support her. Memes matter. <laughs> yes! Okay. I want memes matter to be next to the cross stitch of, uh, what was it? <laughs> Failure is the opposite of a perfect yes. game. I want memes matter. That's how I want to live my life now. Uh, okay, so we have, is she from New York? Is she from Disney? Is she from the Wizard of Oz? And memes matter. Oh man, I feel like you, your spirit animal is in D, but that makes me think you actually didn't write it. For me, it's between Wizard of Oz and Disney. Well, she is from Orlando, so I guess that would warrant the Disney comment. I don't know why someone would think she's from the Wizard of Oz, and if so, what character she is. So I'm going to go with C. That's correct. Yes, that was the one that I wrote. Okay, Paul, this next question is for you. These were all comments about Joe. A. Is he the new Wizard of Oz? (laughs) (laughs) What? Go with it. I'm going to see it. B. Bring back Chicken George. His being voted out statement was the best in all of Survivor. C. (laughs) C. I can't believe it's not butter. What? the chicken george one that one's real no way i think it's supposed to be chicken morris his being voted out was the best in all of survivor uh okay well so it's fake i i I always remember those halcyon days where captain fart got voted out of survivor and gave the best final words um the one i wrote was i mustache him a question but i'll shave it for later i saw it on a t-shirt once i almost picked that (laughs) one who wrote i can't believe it's not i don't know but obviously is demonstrated by my inability to read that answer i was dying reading that one and it was no context if, it, if it's, I can't believe it's not butter, does that mean he's Marjo Rin? Yes. Uh, crap. Man, man, Nujerin. Nope. I'm just going to stop that. Uh, the one I did write before, before I thought of mustache him a question was, I would let Joe sire all of my beautiful mustachioed babies because I just liked the phrase mustachioed babies. But I thought that that might be too obvious. Okay, Mike, uh, this next question is for you. These are comments about uh, Ozzy, who I don't know if we know. Who's not on this season. Not on this season. Um, but, but we'll see. But second most, you know, second most likely to uh, win his way back into the game. Yes, agreed. So, okay. A, Ozzy is never going to win. Dot, dot, dot. Stop bringing him back. They're not. <laughs> B. I could watch every season of Survivor as long as Ozzy is in it. C. Excited to see Ozzy make fake idols. Chopstick emoji, chopstick emoji, chopstick emoji. Or D. Love Ozzy and Joe, but sorry, they're no Boston Rob. Hmm. So just, just, to, just to like, uh, just to clarify here, at least four people 
make a reference to a person who's not on the season of Survivor and just bring it into the conversation. I love it. I love it. I love the, you know what? I want to make it clear that I don't ever want to make fun of the casuals. Like I appreciate every single thing. They are a very important part of this fandom. Yet they do say ridiculous things and they do bring me joy. The fact that, you know, there are three of them who thought that Ozzy was coming back into the season really just brings me joy. Okay. So I know D was, he's, they're no Boston Rob. C was chopstick emoji. What were the first two again? A, Ozzy is never going to win, dot, dot, dot. Stop bringing him back. And B, I could watch every season of Survivor as long as Ozzy is in it. Well, A sounds like it's in that God-tier level of the person who's very bitter about maybe Ozzy taking their 75-year-old spot on the season of Survivor, even though, again, he's not. Uh, I'm going to say B. It was actually C. Excited to uh, see Ozzy make fake idols. Chopstick emoji, chopstick emoji, chopstick emoji. Uh, that was the one that I wrote. Uh, but yeah, I actually don't know the person who answered B. I could watch every season of Survivor as long as Ozzy is in it. Perhaps they're not watching this season because Ozzy yeah. is not in it. So I don't know. Is that them declaring that they're basically <laughs> boycotting Survivor until Ozzy comes back? Yeah, possibly. This is their uh, passive resistance protest <laughs> of not watching Survivor. Uh, okay, Paul, this next question is for you. So Survivor updated their profile picture on Facebook with the new logo um, of the Island of Extinction or Edge of Extinction. And the quality was not great on that picture. And for some reason, the casuals really latched on to how crappy that picture was. Okay. Um, so these are comments about that picture. A, the quality of this logo is on the edge of extinction. <laughs> I hope someone I hope someone was that petty. B, I can't wait for the high quality JPEG logo. Okay. C, you need to give your graphics department a raise. Dot 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 or some glasses. <laughs> or D, I'm really hoping the quality of this photo isn't representative of the quality of this season. Ooh, that one's, wow, lots of like photo yeah, that nerds out clunky. there, really going in hard on the JPEG. Yeah. Um, you know what? I think the the one that just sticks out because it just was like too. It was just so like well put. Was that first one, and that one sticks out. So I'm going to guess that one. That is correct. Yeah. That is the one that I wrote. Yeah, the, yes. the rest, the rest were not as funny and not as a uh, you know. Not as a crisp. I think I'm going to go comment that one, actually. So, cause, you know, obviously I couldn't do it before. Otherwise, it, it would have been an actual comment. Just subtle enough. The quality of this logo is on there. In honor of this cast, the most subtle shade towards the logo. Exactly. Uh, all right, Mike, this next question is for you. So every single episode, there are always suggestions for the new versions of Survivor that should be played. These are some examples of comments from the preseason. So, A, do the casuals want to see Democrats versus Republicans versus liberals? B. What, wait, what? Yeah, no. <laughs> Agreed. Is that, like, is that like Twizzlers versus Red Vines versus Hershey? Like, it's a little redundant there. Yeah. It's like, wait, so not versus conservatives? Or like, do you? Okay. All right. Uh, B, vegans versus meat eaters versus gluten free. <laughs> C. Cannabis players versus pharmaceuticals, <laughs> or are are they are we talking about like addicts, people who are addicted to pharmaceuticals versus people who are addicted to weed? I don't know, but I like that they specify cannabis players versus just pharmaceuticals. <laughs> like, can you imagine? You're like, yeah, me and Ambien over here, really going <laughs> at it. Uh, or D, another Cook Islands. 
Someone just put another Cook Islands? Yes. Wow. Ooh, Where are boy. the casuals, you know, coming up with ideas for the season? I know. They should really tap into them instead. C sounds too ridiculous to not be true. Uh, A sounds too redundant to not be true. So we have... What, what, so we have, what, what are B and D again? Uh, B is vegans versus meat eaters versus gluten-free, and D is just another Cook Islands. Do you say D? D, another Cook Islands. Nice. Oh, wait, that was your answer? Yes! Oh, no, sorry, <laughs> wrong. Uh, what? <laughs> oh. You gave me so much false hope. Hey, hey, yeah, hey, that's hey, my hey. Bad. Mike, when you lose, do not show anger. Oh, and also yeah, rule also rule eight, do not show disrespect with gestures. I can't see you, but that could have been a middle finger. Uh, is that because you're not looking at me while you're reprimanding <laughs> yes, me? Yes, and also this is uh, not a video call, but sure. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, no, uh, Mike, I misheard you. I wrote vegans versus meat eaters versus gluten free. Oh, I was so close. Yes. Well, that would I was I was hoping I was hoping that someone didn't actually suggest another Cook Islands. Uh unfortunately that was uh suggested uh in then in parentheses survivor race war. So, yes. Oh, oh great. I'm <laughs> glad they clarified yeah, that. Right, like thanks. Uh okay. So, um Paul, you have 2 points, Mike, you have 1, and we're going to get to our final question each. So, Paul, uh this is just popery. A since they're just bringing people back in, I want Debbie and Natalie back. They're like menthol candies to the show. Dot, dot, dot. Lol. Okay. B. So excited. Hashtag survivor. Hashtag tribal council. Hashtag couple bonding time. Hashtag it's our thing. Hashtag epic blindside. I don't know if that's... Are they hinting towards something with I their relationship? This, this viewer is most likely to get a hashtag this season and they aren't even on the show. Yeah, but if that is a story, it took a very dark turn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, C. Get the VCR ready, space, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Or D. Russell Hant was in Australia last year. Ooh, that, that's, it's hard with the potpourri because it's just all over the place. I'm going to say C, you made up. That one was real. Oh. Uh, uh, which I was very shocked to see. No, uh, I wrote D. Russell uh, Hans was in Australia last year. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, I love how you didn't even write that he was on Australian Survivor. You just wrote that he was in like, Australia last trip. year. Yeah, yeah, he was there. Is that a field <laughs> I mean, trip? No he really shook hands with everyone. His, his, hat, his, his hat was, at least, it made the reunion. <laughs> yeah, his hat on the chair made the reunion show. That was so good. Uh, all right, Mike, this is your final question. Also, potpourri. A. Happy Survivor is back. Survivor and Man with a Plan are my two favorite shows. I would love to see Kevin LeBlanc on Survivor. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe it's not your favorite show if you don't remember the name of the actor who plays the lead role. Maybe it could be Matthew Perry next time. Uh, okay, B. Past two seasons winners have been terrific. Very happy Davey won. When does the new oh, season well. start? <laughs> oh, boy. I have a couple things to tell you, sir or madam. C. I'm so excited for this. It's all my fave things about Survivor in one season. And that was in, in all caps, uh, if you couldn't guess. And D. Oh, my hat. Joe is back. Oh, my hat? Oh, my hat. Joe is back. Sort of a rhyme. 
Oh, my hat. I've never heard that phrase before. Oh, my hat. Joe is back. Oh, boy. All right. I want to say the one you, in all caps you wrote. Uh, no, that was a real one. Uh, I wrote A, the Kevin LeBlanc uh, on Survivor joke, which uh, originally was not intended to be a joke, but I could not remember <laughs> Matt LeBlanc's name, so I kept it. <laughs> Oh, my hat. I can't believe I lost. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my hat became my new favorite phrase. It's like, oh, my hat. I can't believe it's not butter. (laughs) Okay. Well, congratulations, Paul. You have won our very first Casuals Corner of the season. Congratulations. Thank you. I am not bragging and not asking for a reward. And I am not looking looking at you at all. I'm going to be just the, the rule breaker in class and break all of these. I'm just going to jump around on my desk, scream at everybody. Uh, I need to balance this out. Um, I will say one thing that stood out to me was that the casuals did not like Joe's mustache. So if we're going to take solace in anything, I think that that is something that everyone can agree upon. All right. So I know, Paul, you didn't want to speak too much about the logistics of Edge of Extinction. Uh, but I do want to finish off on a little bit of a game slash draft around Extinction Island. Look, no matter what the structure is, at some point, people are going to quit the game while being on Extinction Island. What I figured we would do is we're each going to draft two contestants from this season who we think will end up quitting the game for one reason or another. And, and hopefully none of them do. Hopefully they all tough it out there and end up surviving to a challenge that they eventually win or lose. But I think looking at this cast, given the theme and given a lot of them talking about the tenacity of it all, I thought we could go around the horn and each pick will go, you know, one, 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 and then we'll go one, one, one again. We'll each pick two people and see if they end up raising the flag when it comes to extinction Island. Uh, Liana, let's start with you. Who is your first pick of someone who is most likely to leave the game? I hope I'm wrong about this, but my first pick is going to be Wendy. And the reason why Uh. I'm I'm picking her is because she is somebody who is really intense. And when you're really intense, you can have really high intensity and you can have really low intensity. And I think she's somebody who could see out there being really defeated and ends up deciding to quit the Island of Extinction. Paul, what about you? Oh, that was mine I was going to take. So instead, please give me... I will take Julie. Mm-hmm. She's got a lot of podcasting to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll take Julie. Okay. Uh, um... I'm going to go with Ron Clark. Why not? He's been the, he's been the top, the top of this podcast. I feel like Ron could be someone where if he's outwitted, I feel like with a lot of these people, especially if they end up on extinction island with someone like Joe or Kelly, they might be like, well, we don't stand a chance. Why sort of waste our time here? And I feel like Ron could be somebody to be like, I got my survivor experience. You know, I'm ready to sort of, uh, pick up my supplies and go back to the classroom. Mike, you just quoted essential number 52. Learn from your mistakes and move on. Oh my god! I didn't even realize I've incepted the book fully over the course of this podcast. It also is rule 54 is carpe diem, so I feel like you can make it fit either way you want. Mm, Seize the quitting the island of extinction, (laughs) I suppose? Sure. (laughs) Uh, I I guess we can go, uh, why not? We'll go snake just for the heck of it. Uh, I'll make my second pick here. 
I hope this is not true. I'm going to say Aurora, because while Aurora did say she's like, you know, she's able to divorce her emotions, uh, you know, from her line of work. She does say, you know, I'm not a completely heartless. I do have some things that trigger me. I feel like she could be someone who just happens to, you know, end up in a couple of rough nights and that just sends her in a tailspin that lends her lends to her pulling herself from the game. Mm, I could see that. All right. Paul, second pick for you. Um, I guess I'll take Lauren. I, I think she's a strong athlete and stuff, but just, um, yeah, maybe she uh, gets loaded off early and then it just is too much for her. She needs to get back and talk about how she just graduated as a collegiate athlete. So I'll take Lauren. <laughs> she has a graduation party to go to. <laughs> exactly. A lot of them. Um, okay. I think for my last pick, I am going to go with... Uh, crap uh okay i'm gonna go with reem i'm gonna go with reem mm. um because as somebody who got kicked out of a gym maybe she's gonna get kicked off the uh ed- edge of extinction as well especially because she she's gonna, angry so that's true is she gonna scream at somebody for uh i don't know not losing enough weight when dr joe weighs her in before sending her off <gasps> to extinction island oh my god can you imagine that would be so perfect she comes back to ponderosa <laughs> and he's like yeah so you know you lost five pounds five pounds that's all i lost and then we get a whole recreation of what happened i would be here for it yes please so we shall see we ended up picking about a third of the cast we'll see exactly what happens as paul says a lot of this is up in the air but I thought this was another nice little landmark that we can revisit upon, you know, examining this at the end of these 14 episodes. Uh, to finish things off, we usually on the BNB do a question of the week where we ask a question to the audience uh, and you guys send us your responses between this podcast and the next one. And we'll answer them on the air next week, giving our answers as well. Uh, the question for this preseason in honor of episode one. Uh, so, Dan came in with the nickname of the War Dog, which is something that I think he sort of copied from his platoon days, but he sort of has been able to mold into his life. So if you out there were playing Survivor, what self-appointed nickname would you give yourself when entering the game? This could be something that intimidates your opponents. It could be something to uh, cuddle up to your opponents. Whatever sort of impression you want to put out there, what would be the nickname that you would give yourself? You have a bunch of ways to reach out to us with this information, you can always tweet us using the hashtag RHAPBNB, the letter B, the letter N, the letter B. You can always email it to us at RHAPBNB at gmail.com. You can post it on Facebook, on Reddit, on the page on RobHasAWebsite.com. You have a myriad of ways for us to, uh, to chow down on that content. And we will answer your nicknames and read through them next week. I'm very excited to bring you the first guest for episode one of Edge of Extinction, the great Josh Wiggler is going to be joining the BNB for the first time to break down the premiere of Edge of Extinction. He got to be out on set, as we alluded to previously with First One Out, so I'm sure he'll provide some delectable tidbits as we talk through some of his experience there. I'm sure the unorthodox manner in which the premiere carried out, and I'm sure much, much more. So be sure to send us all that, and we'll be able to talk through that with Josh, and I'm assuming... Maybe along the way, we'll talk through some uh, fun Wandoff parodies. I feel like Reem's name can be thrown into a lot of uh, a lot of songs. It's like the new Rourke. Uh, but to finish things off, why don't we go around the horn? Uh, if you guys want to give your social media handles, if you want to, if anyone else there wants to check out what these lovely people are talking about during the Survivor season, and also what you might be working on in the podcast sphere at large. Uh, Paul, let's start with you. 
Um, sure. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Paul Oslison. Um, and we'll see how active I am on Twitter. I was kind of quiet last uh, last season, so uh, we'll see if these uh, this cast has me talking more than than usual. Did you just uh, every week post like a random Ron Clark rule, and we'll see if it applies? It'll be like the new David Bloomberg rules. Yeah, like I know when we were teaching and stuff, like we had kind of like I didn't do it as much, but a lot of teachers used these essentials. It was broken. There was like an essential of the week that you would work on. So I think we can definitely find which essential, you know, Ron Clark Academy rule was uh, followed or maybe not followed uh, every episode of Survivor. All right. Yeah. Let's, Liana, what about let's you? Let's just scrap our predictions and instead we'll pick the rule that most likely applies to the week. We'll just scrap the whole segment. Um, but we have to predict the rule ahead of time. Oh, okay. Oh so we pick the rule and then we have to somehow make it work. No, this is just as terrible as all my other ideas. Okay. I'm on social media at Liana Boris, L-I-A-N-A-B-O-R-A-A-S. Of course, I'm so excited to be back with Mike to do the B&B for this season of Survivor. Uh, we are also doing RuPaul's Drag Race coverage along with Brett Wolgamont. So talking about uh, All-Stars Season 4, which is going to be wrapping up this week. But then uh, no rest for the Wicked. We have one week off and then we get back into RuPaul's Drag Race with Season 11. So uh, it's a lot, uh, but it's <laughs> fun. <laughs> Still, I'm pretty sure. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's a Stockholm syndrome talking, uh, but I very much love it. Um, and then uh, wrapped up, you know, all the stuff for uh, uh, Big Brother. What are the other shows that are happening? Um, and then should hopefully be back to do uh, Big Brother Canada coverage as well. Fantastic. Uh, you can always follow me at a Mike Bloom type. As Liana mentioned, we'll be covering RuPaul's Drag Race. I'm also covering Top Chef Kentucky with a great group of people, including next week's guest, Josh Wegler, as we head into the uh, the final bend of this horse race that has been this season. Uh, I have also formally joined the Star Trek Discovery podcast crew over on Post Show Recaps, covering that weekly now with Jessica Lee, as well as my weekly coverage of Discovery on Hollywood Reporter. You can go to THR.com slash Star Trek Discovery if you want to check that out. I'm doing I'm having a lot of fun with that. Speaking of writing, I know that Rob announced this on another podcast, but I will say here, uh, yeah, there's no official exit press for Survivor Edge of Extinction. I'll see if maybe I can write up a few things, you know, during the season that are a bit more miscellaneous. Uh, and I know that some other people might be aiming to do some more unconventional interviews, but for those of you that are looking for a exit press and Intel every week, unfortunately, due to the format of the Extinction Island, you will not be getting it. However, uh, at this time it's being released, I'm sure I'll have exit interviews released with all the finalists uh, from Celebrity Big Brother, that illustrious cast, and I'm sure more stuff to come as well. So be sure to check all that out. Uh, that's going to do it for our preseason podcast for Edge of Extinction. I'm even more pumped about this cast and this season getting to talk about it with the two of you, at least uh, becoming more educated about the Ron Clark b b Book of Rules. Uh, and we'll see if we can uh, have that memorized by the time this season finishes. Uh, thank you so much to Will from America for our theme song. Scott St. Pierre for editing all this behind the scenes. Paul, I'm looking forward to working with you more behind the scenes as the season progresses as well. Let us know your thoughts. Again, hashtag RHAPBNB for your answer to the question of the week, as well as your thoughts about how the heck we're going to do these predictions. We'll be back next week with Josh Wiggler to talk about the premiere of season 38. Can't wait. So excited to be back. Uh, but for now, we will check you out 
at your next stay. Mike and Diana yeah, they're playing some games. You better pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R H A P B M B. Mike and Diana yeah, they're playing some games. You better pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.